unfold. So, 1 John chapter 3. Oh my goodness gracious, I am excited about this message. I've learned so much. I hope you have learned. Uh, and I think that uh, in, in this series, especially in this forum where we are you know, literally watching online, I feel like I just keep going and going and going. So today I'm going to do my best to uh, give you just a little piece, uh, maybe one sermon instead of three like has been going on. Uh, and I feel like maybe I just have liberty in here and I feel like you can log off and log back on whenever you want. But that's not the, the goal or the idea. Uh, but today's message I think that you will see is a lot more concise and a lot more straightforward. And it's based on the way the author is walking us through uh, this content. He's laid a lot of groundwork. Uh, John has almost repeated himself in several different ways to get his point across. Uh, but we remember that this series is about staying connected. And, and we know that this is challenging during this time. It's challenging as we're all meeting in our homes, as we don't have face-to-face uh, hugs and, and think about how they, they, how they were in the Bible. They greet, greet each other with a holy kiss, right? I mean, they went further than we did. Uh, but here we are. We can't even see each other in the hug in these days. Uh, but th- that is not what ultimately holds us together. It's a part of it. And meeting and fellowship, all that is absolutely a part of it. But ultimately, the Holy Spirit, we find last week, uh, is, is connecting us all together in a deeper, uh, more fuller way uh, that we as believers connect to God and then vicariously connect to each other. So I pray uh, that as we build on this, as the author is building on it, that you are encouraged in the Lord and that you feel more connected and that you can stay connected with God in a deeper way as you grow, as you are discipled, as you uh, continue to read and study the Word of God and, and build on your prayer life. So I've been excited to see how this series has played out, and I hope it's been a blessing to you. You can always go back and listen to the other messages right here on our Facebook page via our video and our posts. Uh, we update our YouTube every, every couple weeks, um, and they're on there as well. Um, but uh, I think that God is doing something here. I know he's doing something in my heart, and I trust that today will absolutely be no exception. So today we're going to go 1 John chapter 3, verse 11 through 24. That's the passage, but like we have done in the, in the past few weeks, we're going to jump around and try to convey the message uh, that the author is, is getting across. Um, so just by way of review... This is about staying connected. It's about the connected life as a Christian that we should be connected to God. As John wanted those, these are, he's writing to these house churches after the destruction of the temple, after them leaving Jerusalem, going to their homes. John relocates to Ephesus once again by way of review. And he begins to write these letters to these churches saying it doesn't matter if you're not meeting in one big corporate place. You can be connected from your house churches to the work and the great commission of God as being a part of the big global church. So, and from that, he warns against false teachers, and we're going to see more of that next week. He warns against challenges that the church is going to face. And so we've seen some of those challenges. Um, But staying connected, I, I kind of paraphrased and pared this down. John is saying that the connected life, what I'm finding in this book of 1 John, is a content life as a Christian. 
It's a consistent life as a Christian, and it's a confident life. John says, I want your joy to be full. That's why I'm writing in 1 John 1, 4. He says, I want your joy to be genuine. That's why you shouldn't be lying. John says, I want your joy to be characterized by my spirit, the Holy Spirit. That's why you better be abiding. So I took that one little moment in this message to rhyme a little bit because we had more rhymes last week, but that's all you're getting this week. So if John were to break this down for us, a connected life, he says, I want you to be full in your joy. I want you to be genuine, and that's important. And from there, I want your joy to be characterized by my spirit. So we have looked at the author's why. Some of you are familiar with this concept. If you're not, uh, just kind of follow the logic here. We have looked at the author's why. We've looked at the author's how. Why is he writing? That your joy may be full. That, that we would be connected. That big why, the overarching, he came right out of the gate and said, I want your joy to be full. And, and then the how, he explained to us that we are to be genuine in our relationship, in our pursuit of God. That's really the how. Now it's time for the what. Now it's time for the nitty gritty. Now it's time to apply. We've laid a ton of groundwork the last couple of weeks. Uh, we, we have this understanding of, of the way that John wants us to go. It's the way. It's the way of Christ. And, and as First century church, they're, they're getting acclimated to the Holy Ghost of God bearing witness in them, right? The, the Pentecost and, and the sermon and, and the, the miracles and the Holy Spirit moving through the church. And he's saying, listen, abide in that. Trust in that. Don't be sidelined by these uh, problems and these issues that are happening. Look, they've been happening from the beginning. I'm not writing a new commandment unto you, right? These are all things that John has said. But when we land here, chapter 3, verse 11, John is getting to the what. He is getting to the practical application of what good looks like, how that connected life plays out. And so this today will be very, very practical, and I think that you'll find it helpful. So many uh, Christians effectively understand the why they should be going to church. And even if I dare say fully comprehend the how or the mechanics of living a good life, but are unfortunately misdirected in the application of their faith or the what. Do you understand that the big picture why? Oh, yeah, I get it, why I should go to church. I get how it should happen, just ultimately, you know, uh, I'm not consistent. Ultimately, when it comes to the rubber meeting the road, I don't do what I'm supposed to do. I get the why, I get the how. You know, and, and Pastor Matt, you got your little version of the how, how you think church should play out, and, and our how here at Bethlehem might be a little different than the how down the road. Our why should be the same. The goal of the gospel, the goal of connecting believers to an eternal message of our Savior and growing in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, that should not change. But the how changes. It sure does. And ultimately, those are two things that Christians say they get and understand. And I believe that a lot of us do. But the what? <laughs> the event on the calendar, the point in time that you are to get on your knees, that you are to open your Bibles, that you are to reach out, that you are to love. Teaser for the future part of this message. Unfortunately, sometimes we fall there in the application of the why and the how to the what. So that's what we want to hit and address today. John clearly articulates the way good looks for a child of God. 
one that is walking in the truth, and one that is concerned with doing. All right, here we go. Let's begin in the text. If you have your Bibles, uh, of course, it'll be on the screen. Uh, but as we read these texts, engage here. If you're, if you're with your kids, read these aloud to your children as we read. And, and let's, uh, let's really come together and sink our teeth into this. Let's pray real quick. Father, I pray that as we get into the application, the what, how we are to act as Christians and how our faith is supposed to play out, I, I pray that you would connect us together more than ever. I pray that, Father, this would hit home. I pray that this would produce fruit in our lives, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 John 3, 18, John, are, are, John clearly articulating what good looks like. He says, look, 1 John 3, 18, my little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and truth. How does this apply? Where, do, where does all of this come to roost? Where does it come home at? Hey, here it is. My little children, children, <laughs> Let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Let us not talk about it, but let us do it. Let us put action to our words. And I think you understand what he's saying here. He's not saying don't say good things. He's saying what you do better match what you say. Do you see the common thread of honesty and transparency playing out in the application? Yes. He, he's hitting it home. 1 John 3 uh, verse 11, for this is the message that ye have heard from the beginning, that we should what? Love one another. Here's what I see. A few verses before he said, look, th this faith that you have should have feet. It shouldn't just be, yeah, I trust in the Lord, and it's a word, but it should be something that you do. Your faith has feet by your love. That's, that's the whole thing today, the whole concept. If love is the what? I want you to say this with me. If, if love is the what? Say it with me. If love is the what? Come on, I can't hear you. If love is the what? Church, in your, in your living rooms, in your kitchen, wherever you are, say it with me. If love is the what? Turn to your wife and say, if love is the what? And then she's going to turn and look at you and say, you ain't loved me in a long time. No, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. If love is the what? John says here, my little children, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that you should love in word. I, I'm saying that this should be a deed. This should be something that you're doing. And this love that I'm talking about is a truth. Woo! Love is the what? The why, the big picture that your joy may be full. And the how, mechanically speaking, you're going to abide in the spirit of God. He's going to produce what? Love. Son. Now we get it. Now the full picture, it's the camera was trying to focus what John was saying, and now it's, it's come into clear view. He's saying, love is the what? Love is the what? Go to verse 12 through 15. Go to verse 12 through 15. We got a little ring up here, Amanda. I don't know if you hear that. Uh, I'm going to get there here. First John. Chapter 3, verse 12 through 15. What a story he goes to here in the text. He says, love is the what? Love is how this thing is supposed to play out. Not in word or in, not in word or tongue, but in deed. And then this is where John goes. Look at verse 12 through 15. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, 
who we already established in verse 6 and verse 5, right? It's the devil. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one and slew his brother. Maybe it's something that's not muted up here. Could be, I don't know. But there's still just a little bit of ring. Forgive us as we're working it out. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one and slew his brother, and therefore, and wherefore slew he him? Question. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil. And his brother's what? Righteousness. So twofold. Because Cain's works were evil and his brother's were good. Hmm. Interesting. What is the what? It's love. What's the point? Love. No, 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 pastor, you said the point was it was to do. The point was to do. And some of you are already running a hundred. You can leave the scripture up, up there. Some of you are already running a hundred miles an hour with, yes, I do. Yes, I, I perform. Yes, I, I do all kinds of things in the church. I'm good. I'm connected to God. Whoa, 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 wait, hold up. Love is the do. Love is the what? And it's very easily twisted, just like Cain. Because his works, what he did, was evil. Man, I love the way the author breaks this down. Look at the next part. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. Hmm. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. Love is the what? He that loveth not his brother abideth in what? Death. Let's, before I just jump in here and, and go crazy, because this is an incredible point, let's go read this account in Genesis, shall we? Let's read this account in Genesis. Genesis 4, 1 through 12. Genesis 4, 1 through 12. I didn't paste it in my message there, I should have. Genesis 4, 1 through 12. And Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was the keeper of the sheep. But Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. Don't miss this. Don't miss it. This is the story that our author in 1 John is talking about. Cain's works were what? We know from John. They were what? Evil. Cain brought an offering for the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, why art thou wroth? Why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be what? accepted. Look at that word. And if thou dost not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me. And now art thou cursed from the earth which hath opened up her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. My goodness. Cain and Abel, this famous story in scripture. What are we 
seeing here? What's the point that the author is making? Cain and Abel. There was no respect for Cain's sacrifice. And Cain took it out on his brother. Think about this. During this story, we find that there was no respect for Cain's sacrifice. And Cain took it out on his brother. What a terrible story. Thinking of this, in the first family created on planet Earth, what tragedy, what sin will do to us The community of their family wrecked and ravaged by sin. That same thing can happen in the church. In the context of where the author is trying to hit home with us is what we're doing. Love is the what? Love is the action of what we're doing. It is the goal. It is the purpose. And he takes us back to this tragic story where Cain was doing something for God. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Understand that. This was an offering moment. This was a moment that it included God. We're not talking about someone who went AWOL and went and killed somebody because he wanted their car or he wanted their house or he wanted their money. This was over a sacrifice to Almighty God. All Cain wanted was the respect of that sacrifice. If love is the what, here's point number one. If love is the what, if love is the point... We will never substitute a position or a product for a person. These truths, these points that I'm going to give you today will transcend church life. They'll they'll transcend into your home. They'll transcend into your workplace. They'll help you in every area of your life. Think about this. If love is the what, we will never substitute a position or a product for a person. Cain, wanting the position of acceptance, was willing to kill for it. Cain, wanting the position of acceptance, I want to be in that position, and I'm willing to sacrifice a person for my anger to have that position. Oh, my goodness gracious. If love is the what, we will never substitute. He was truly abiding in death. Look at what the author is saying. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. That's 1 John 3.14. Understand this. John is trying to make a clear point. If love is the what, let's take this all the way to 2020. 2020. Let's have a clear vision of what the author is saying and let's put it in our church context. If you're vying for position or for a certain product and you're willing To do it at the expense of people, love is not your what. I'll serve and I'll do, but I just don't like the way I have to serve with her. I just don't like the way I have to play nice with others. It's about what I'm doing in the house of God. It's about what I accomplish for God. It's about how many people I reach. And unfortunately, it becomes that way for us Christians. Unfortunately, sin is lying at the door in our church communities because love is not the what. The product in the position has replaced love as the product. It's been replaced, and if love is the what, we will never substitute that for a person. You know, it's really easy to find how connected we are with with this application. What gets you excited? What are you passionate about? Is it people, or is it position? Is it people, or is it a product? 
Are you more worried about being accepted of others than you are about accepting others no matter what? It's clear when love is the what. Because the position and the product are not the priority. It's the person. You know, I think so many times in our marriages, with our family dynamic, we, we become infatuated with what our children are doing. We, we push our children to excel in all these areas, and at some point we got to take a step back and say, am I more consumed with what my child is doing than my actual child? Have we lost our way? And the author is saying, remember Cain and Abel. Remember that story. It all started with an offering to the Lord. It's all going to start here in church where we're all doing things for God, where we're all striving for this thing, this common goal and cause. We're all moving forward. And then what happens? Death to a relationship. And then what happens? We begin to kill other people around us and ministries are shattered. Goals are manipulated. Things are twisted. But if love is the what, then position, then power will never be over the person. We'll gladly take a step back. We'll gladly take a furlough. We'll gladly let someone else, in honor preferring one another, we'll gladly take the back seat and let someone else drive, even if we know we drive better than them. Because it's not about the product or the position. It's about the person. This would do some of you good in your workplace. No, 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 no. Whoa, Pastor Matt, I don't think so. You just leave it right there. My workplace is how you get your tithe and offering. And if I'm not constantly buying for position, then the bottom line is going to be affected. I promise you, if you put people first in your business, the Lord will use you. The Lord will bless you. He will keep you. He'll do all those other things. And that's what this author is trying to tell you. If you want to connect to me, you can't be breeding death. You can't be living in position. You can't be living in power. You can't be living for that product. you got to live for people. If love is the what? If love is the what? <laughs> yeah, I love people. And I also love what's the priority in that. Number one. If love is the what, we will never substitute a position or a product for a person. Hmm. The catch-22 here is that when we are temporarily attached to this life, we are abiding in something that is going to die. The catch-22, when we love the world, 1 John 2.15, remember we've already come from that context here, when we find our, our love in positions, products, power, things of this world, we lose sight that all of those things are temporal. I'm trying, church, to connect you to something eternal. I'm trying to introduce you to a relationship to an almighty God that will literally last forever, that will literally breathe life into your marriage, breathe life into your children, breathe life into your coworkers, breathe life into everything that you're doing. Why? Because love is the what? Love is the what. And I'm letting you know that in calibrating this whole thing and practically how the what plays out, if people are secondary to these other things, then love is not your what. Number two, if love is the what, say it with me. If love is the what, say it, come on. If love is the what, kids, let me hear you. If love is the what, okay, good, good. If love is the what, we will make love the deciding factor in our service for God. Look at verse 16. Look at verse 16. Hereby we perceive the love of God, 
because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. I'm going to give you a truth here that I'm not sure it might not hit home now, but it might hit home in a few years. And maybe it will hit home now. I'm not sure. But I'm just going to give it to you the way the Holy Spirit gave it to me. Measure your assurance by your selflessness. Measure your assurance by your selflessness. If our assurance in what God is doing in our life lies within us and instead of the finished work of Christ, then we will struggle with pride and then in turn with doubt. If love is the what, number two, we will make love the deciding factor in our service for God. Let me explain. If you begin to say, I'm all about people, number one, we're building here. If love is the what, I'm about the people, and you encounter problems, you encounter issues, you encounter the same thing that everybody else encounters when you try to help someone. No good deed comes unpunished, goes unpunished, whatever. If, if, you, if you start working with people, listen, ministry would be amazing if it wasn't for people. <laughs> just kidding, I love all of you. But it's tough. Let's just be real. Let's be honest that if love is the what, sometimes love is hard. Sometimes it's difficult to love people that are unlovable. But we're called to that. We're called to be consumed with the love of God that loves people that are unlovable. So my point here is if love is the what, we will make love the deciding factor in our service for God. If, if you tether your ability, if you tether or lace something that you want with service to God, eventually it will be revealed. It will come out. Here's why. We are unable in the gospel and God is able. The gospel of Jesus Christ tells us that we are sinners we are unable to achieve or make it to heaven on our own, and that he bought us. He paid the price. He did the work. So the problem, I see, is that the love of God, Romans 5, 8, but God commanded his love toward us. We put our faith and trust in the love of God, but yet we don't carry that into our sanctification. We don't carry that into our church practical life. And we say, yes, God's love, yes, I was unable in the gospel to do anything to merit heaven, but I'm able to serve God in the church. I'm able to uh, put my personality on display. I'm able to stay faithful to the things of God. And ultimately, if your faith and trust is in those things that you have, you're going to doubt your faith because you are unable you're unable. It, it's the reverse engineering here, right? It's the understanding that a lot of people struggle with their assurance of salvation. And I, I'm just proposing that if love is the what, we'll let God's love be the thing and the end and the means by our service for him. And if we can stay focused on all that God has done for us, and then we let everything that we love, everything that we do, not in word, but in deed, as our love begins to grow and we love people, we let the love of God dictate our love for others, not how that person received our love. Not our ability to keep on loving because there's going to be days that you don't feel like it. 
There's going to be days where you're like, I need a barut. I don't feel like loving my children. I don't feel like loving my wife. I don't feel like doing nothing. But if, if your ability is where you are receiving your eternal security in your faith continuing, then of course you're going to doubt your faith. We as believers need to make God's love for us the final goal for our service to him. His love will be constant in your life. His love will never fail you. And so his love is the what that supplies our what as we continue to serve God. Measure your assurance by your selflessness, okay? So I'm proposing to you, church, that if you are selfless, if you remove all of the reasons why you could engage in uh, good works for God, right? You have to remove all of yourself from those things and do it only for God. And if you do that, I promise you, you will have more assurance in your faith in God. Because he will supply the need. He will perform, Philippians 1.6. But it's when our pride gets in the way. It's when we, the devil suggests to us that we have a part in the work of the church, in the work of the ministry, and when we accept that, we're on the path to doubt. We're on the path to taking for granted what God did for us from the beginning. If love is the what, we will make love the deciding factor in our service for God. We know, verse 16, the love that God had because he proved it with his life. Number three, if love is the what, our commandment following will sound like confident. This is it, the last one. If love is the what, our commandment following will sound like confident, reassuring dialogue. I'm taking you the distance here with these points. I'm saying, if love is the what, we will never substitute a position or a product for a person. So we're, we're gonna engage for people. We're not gonna step on people. We're gonna love people. Why? Because that's what God has called us to do, because God has loved us first. God has given us the sacrifice to prove his love for us. And, and his love will be the end of our love. His, us serving him will be the reason and if love is the what, when we act on those commandments, when our commandment following happens, it will sound like confident, reassuring dialogue. Let me prove it to you. Go to verse 22. First John 3, verse 22. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him, because we keep his commandments, and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. What a beautiful verse. What a beautiful verse. We find here that, let's just, I'm just gonna read, if you don't worry about it, Jose, I didn't put him in there. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence towards God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. I'm, I'm saying, church, if love is the what, our commandment following will sound like confident, reassuring dialogue. When you are questioning if you can, he will reassure you that he has and he will provide in every way, making a way for you to be confidently connected to the God of this universe. Let me read that to you again. When you are questioning if you can, if your heart is deceiving you, he will reassure you 
that he has and he will provide in every way, making a way for you to be confidently connected to the God of this universe. We have to land here. We have to land at this point coming through 1 John. And I think that many can read this book and, and, and come out even confused and say, see, we, we have to be doing, see, see we, we, we have to uh, keep his commandments. And if we don't keep his commandments, then we're going to lose our salvation. Then we're going to lose what we had. No, 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 no. That's not the whole context. The context of this is that God is saying, I laid down my life. I did everything that you need to do. I've already done it now. I'm, I'm, I'm in you and you're abiding in me. And my Holy Spirit will lead you in love to love others that's the commandment no new commandment that we're to love God and we're to love people that's the commandment that's it how do we do that if if love is the what if we are focused on people the person of Jesus Christ as the source of our love then understand this our commandment following will sound like confident reassuring dialogue I've been in faith communities before that commandment keeping was rigid. It was detailed, spelled out, black and white. But when I read this, and whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing to his sight. I don't see a rigid black and white, legalistic list, I see a relationship. If love is the what, your commandment keeping will be a dialogue of receiving from God. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to spell this out for you, church, without completely spelling it out. It's a relationship. It's something that you begin, and, and you talk with him, and he leads you in it, and your commandment-keeping flows out of that loving dialogue with our God. If you're looking for a list, if you're, if you're looking for uh, uh, trajectories to accomplish, to be in his good grace then you're looking for a position or a product. If you're, if you're struggling, if you're struggling this morning because you don't feel accepted, I don't want you to fall into the trap that Cain fell into. I want, I want us to have this acceptance and this dialogue, and if love is the source, our commandment following will sound confident, and reassuring. When you are questioning if you can, he will reassure you that he has and he will provide in every way, making a way for you to be confidently connected to the God of this universe. These aren't, I don't, they are easy concepts, but they're not easy concepts. It's twofold, it's multifaceted. There's a lot of traditions out there that push and that force and if you follow this list and if you do these things and we completely disconnect ourselves from the love of God. We completely disconnect ourselves from the love that will actually enable us to keep his commandments and to love other people. 
Is your love genuine this morning? Is your love something that you feel like, and I think here's a great, you know, a, gr- a great test. What happens when someone does you wrong? What happens when a relationship goes sideways? Are you quick to throw people under the bus? Are you quick to breathe fire? Or are you quick to follow the dialogue of our Lord and Savior? Are you quick to enter into your prayer closet? Are you quick to abide in him and say, navigate me through this? Navigate me through my relationships. Help me in my marriage. Help me with my children. I can't do this. I know you can do all things. Please, God, give me what I need. And he's not going to hold back. But that's if love is the what. Now it's, Holy Spirit, please reveal it to them in their heart. Now it is up to you right now to know if your heart is deceiving you. It's up to you right now to pray inside and say, am I doing things for the wrong reason? Am I commandment following because I like the feeling that it gives me? Or am I just doing what a loving God and I have decided to do together? Like, this is an amazing life. I, you know, I can love my enemies. When people do me wrong, uh, you know, I'm okay with it. I understand that there's a greater purpose. How often do we hear that dialogue in churches? How often do we hear restoration in churches? How often do we hear where God is restoring things and he's bringing things to light and the gospel is being, uh, the gospel is the purpose and it is being broadcasted through these issues? Well, we don't a lot. Unfortunately, we hear a lot of what so-and-so did or didn't do. Let's not be that church. If we're going to be a connected church, connected to God, we have to make love the what. If we're going to make love the what, then we have to identify in our lives when love is not the what. And we've already learned from previous weeks that it's really easy. Let's confess that sin today. Let's confess it and forsake it that we were putting position and power and, and what was the other one? And product before a person, before people. Cain was looking for acceptance in his work, in his doing, and instead of in a person that we find our acceptance in. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for tuning in, but it's about the purpose. It's about the message of the gospel. This could be the most important time. When you just go in your heart, and that's what I would encourage you to do right now, just go in your heart and ask God, say, cleanse me. Maybe in the words of the psalmist, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and renew a right spirit within me. Let's confess to God. I know there were things in my life this week that, man, the Lord revealed to me. Man, Robinson, you're, you're more concerned with a position or a product or a certain process more than you are the people. What a great reminder that love is the what. And if we're being misdirected away from people, we're missing the point. We really are. Where are you today? 
Let's confess that and forsake that. Let's not, let's not let our heart deceive us. Let's not let Satan get a, a place in our lives this morning. Let's let love be the what. And as that plays out, know that how God wants that to play out with you is a consistent dialogue. We call that a prayer life. Where, where you talk with God and he talks with you. Where he leads you and he guides you. God wants nothing more if you're, than to lead and guide you. If you're, if you're sitting here today, maybe in your home, and you're thinking, I just need reassurance. I just need to know that it's real. I just, I, I need to, I, I need to have a job. You're missing the point. We just need God. That's it. We just need simply Jesus. And I promise you this morning, if you'll let go of those things and you'll forsake them, you'll have a renewed hope and a renewed vision in our Lord today like you've never had before. Let's, let's make love be the what. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you for this time that we've had in your word, studying and learning from this author as your Holy Spirit teaches us. Father, I pray that during this difficult time, during this difficult season, that we would still let love be our what. That the actions that happen, the commandment following, Father, would be our love. Our love for you. Our love for others. And may we keep that focus on people. Father, the focus that, that you're leading us to. The focus that you had for us. You didn't seek us out because of something we did. Father, you did it for us. Help us to trust that for our lives and not just for our salvation, for our eternity. Help us to let it work, our way, work its way into our day-to-day -day and into our relationships. We love you and we thank you for Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.